Forever Dog. Welcome to Forever Dog. You can listen to this podcast ad-free on Forever Dog Plus by signing up at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on social at Forever Dog Team and check out all of our podcasts at foreverdogpodcasts.com. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Welcome to Teen Creeps Presents Public Domain Theater. On today's episode, part one of Richard Edward Connell Jr.'s The Most Dangerous Game, as read by Lindsay Katai, as reacted to by Kelly Nugent and Lindsay Katai. So today we are reading The Most Dangerous Game. I've never read this and I don't know anything about it. It is a much, like, parodied idea. Mm-hmm. And it gets said a lot. Um, I think you will be very pleased and probably recognize it as soon as okay. we yeah, get I think more into I it. Maybe I just don't remember. So uh, a bit about the author. Richard Edward Connell Jr. Uh, was an American author and journalist, best known for his short story, The Most Dangerous Game, which is what we're reading. Connell was one of the best known American short story writers of his time, and his stories appeared in the Saturday Evening Post and Collier's Weekly. Connell had equal success as a journalist and screenwriter. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Story for 1941's Meet John Doe. He died of a heart attack in Beverly Hills on November 22nd, 1949, at the age of 56. Oh my gosh, only eight years after he did that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. I'm sorry to let... I'm really sad I'm that he died. I'm sorry that I had to tell you... That he died. Robert Edward. Con- I'm sorry. He passed, Connell, Kelly. Junior. He passed. Did he, did He's Junior not with go us before anymore. Senior? A parent should never have to bury their child. I, they shouldn't. <laughs> no. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I'm sorry. I should have looked into it more, Kelly. Read it to me. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Part one. Off there to the right, somewhere, is a large island, said Whitney. It's rather a mystery. What island is it? Rainsford asked. The old charts call it Ship Trap Island, Whitney replied. A suggestive name, isn't it? Sailors have a curious dread of the place. I don't know why. Some it's superstition. Ship Trap Island. Silence. Sorry. It is just some superstition, Kelly. Ship Trap Island surrounded yeah. by <laughs> dead sailor sea. No, it came up by that naturally. Bloated corpse bay. <laughs> Can't see it, remarked Ransford, trying to peer through the dank tropical night that was palpable as it pressed its thick, warm blackness upon the yacht. Axe body spray. Dank, <laughs> dank tropical night. <laughs> oh, I love a man who <laughs> smells like dank, dank tropical, tropical night. night. <laughs> You've good eyes, said Whitney with a laugh, and I've seen you pick off a moose moving in the brown fall bush at 400 yards, but even you can't see four miles or so through a moonless Caribbean night. Not four yards, admitted Rainsford. Ugh, it's like the moist black velvet. It will be light enough in Rio, Rio, promised Whitney. We should make it in in a few days. I hope the jaguar guns have come from Purdy's. We should have some good hunting up the Amazon. Great sport hunting. The best sport in the world, agreed Rainsford. Per the hunter, amended Whitney. Not for the jaguar. Don't talk rot, Whitney, said Rainsford. You're a big game hunter, not a philosopher. Who cares how a jaguar feels? Perhaps the jaguar does, observed Whitney. Bah, they've no understanding. Even so, I rather think they understand one thing. Fear. The fear of pain and the fear of death. Nonsense, laughed Rainsford. 
This hot weather is making you soft, Whitney. Be a realist. The world is made up of two classes, the hunters and the hunties. Luckily, you and I are hunters. Do you think we've passed that island yet? I can't tell in the dark. I hope so. Why, asked Rainsford. The place has a reputation. A bad one. Cannibals, suggested Rainsford. Hardly. Even cannibals wouldn't live in such a godforsaken place. But it's gotten into sailor lore somehow. Didn't you notice that the crew's nerves seemed a bit jumpy today? They were a bit strange now that you mention it. Even Captain Nielsen. Yes, even that tough-minded old Swede. Who'd go up the devil himself and ask him for a light. Those fishy blue eyes held a look I never saw there before. All I could get out of him was, This place has an evil name among seafaring, seafaring men, sir. Then he said to me, very gravely, Don't you feel anything? As if the air about us was actually poisonous. Now, you mustn't laugh when I tell you this. I did feel something like a sudden chill. There was no breeze. The sea was flat as a plate glass window. We were drawing near the island then. What I felt was uh, a mental chill, a sort of sudden dread. Pure imagination, said Rainsford. One superstitious sailor can taint the whole ship's company with his fear. Maybe, but sometimes I think sailors have an extra sense that tells them when they are in danger. Sometimes I think evil is a tangible thing, with wavelengths, just as sound and light have. An evil place can, so to speak, broadcast vibrations of evil. Anyhow, I'm glad we're getting out of this zone. Well, I think I'll turn in now, Rainsford. I'm not sleepy, said Rainsford. I'm going to smoke another pipe up on the afterdeck. Good night then, Rainsford. See you at breakfast. Right. Good night, Whitney. Let's definitely continue to call each other by our names. Also, like, they're taking so long to just say goodnight. They just said goodnight, like, eight times. They don't want to say goodnight, Kelly. They have crushes on each I other. I know. And the moonlight and the... Oh, my God. It's so romantic. Wait, is love the, the most black... dangerous game? <laughs> <laughs> the other day, uh, I was doing that bit where you, like, pretend you're southern lawyer and it's very hot in the courtroom uh -huh. like i don't know much about no big city lawyering mm -hmm. but i do know a thing or two and like, just interrupted with love <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny very unexpected very unexpected <clears throat> there was no sound in the night as rainsford sat there but the muffled throb of the engine that uh, drove oh. the mm -hmm, of his, penis, of his penis that drove the pressing, penis yacht swiftly the through the darkness of his desires and the <laughs> swish and ripple of the wash of his desires. <laughs> <laughs> Did we mention his, his desires? desires. <laughs> Alright, and the swish and ripple of the wash against the propeller. Rainsford, reclining in a steamer chair, indolently puffed on his favorite briar. The sensuous <laughs> What? Why does everything fit that? The sensuous drowsiness of the night was on him. It's so dark, he thought, that I could sleep without closing my eyes. Oh, uh, I thought he was going to say without clothes on. <laughs> it's I so her, dark I could sleep without clothes I wonder clothes. if Whitney feels the same way. <laughs> I'm just going to go ask. No reason. <laughs> the night would be my eyelids. An abrupt sound startled him. Off to the right, he heard it, and his ears, expert in such manners, could not be mistaken. Again, he heard the sound, and again, somewhere off in the blackness. Someone had fired a gun three times. Rainsford what? sprang up and moved quickly to the rail, mystified. He strained his eyes in the direction from which the reports had come, but it was like sign trying to see through a blanket. He leapt upon the rail and balanced himself there to get greater elevation. His pipe, striking a rope, was knocked from his mouth. <laughs> 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 
I'll do I'll do effort noises. <laughs> you sound like an an anime. <laughs> I'm gonna go find Whitney. <laughs> he lunged for it. A short hoarse cry came from his lips as he realized he had reached too far and had lost his balance. Horse cry? <laughs> <laughs> The cry was pinched off short as the warm, blood-warm waters of the Caribbean Sea closed over his head. What? He struggled up to the surface and tried to cry out, but the wash from the speeding yacht slapped him in the face and the salt water in his open mouth made him gag and strangle. Oh, God. Desperately, he struck out with strong strokes after the receding lights of the yacht, but he stopped before he had swum 50 feet. A certain cool-headedness had come to him. It was not the first time he had been in a tight place. There was a chance that his cries could be heard by someone aboard the yacht, but that chance was slender and grew more slender as the yacht raced on. He wrestled himself out of his clothes. Uh, He wrestled himself out of his clothes. And made sweet love to the ocean. (laughs) And shouted with all his power. The lights of the yacht became faint and ever-vanishing fireflies. Then they were blotted out entirely by the night. Rainsford remembered the shots. They had come from the right, and doggedly he swam in that direction, swimming with slow, deliberate strokes, conserving his strength. Why? Don't go For a seemingly endless time, he fought the sea. He began to count his strokes. He could do possibly a hundred more, and then Rainsford heard a sound. It came out of the darkness, a high, screaming sound, the sound of an animal in an extremity of anguish and terror. He did not recognize the animal that made the sound. He did not try to. With fresh vitality, he swam toward the sound. He heard it again, then it was cut short by another noise, crisp, staccato. Pistol shot, muttered Rainsford, muttering to yourself as you're swimming. Yeah, conserve your energy, dum-dum. Now you have one less, you have 99 strokes left. Ten minutes of determined effort brought another sound to his ears, the most welcome he had ever heard, the muttering and growling of the sea breaking on a rocky shore. He was almost on the rocks before he saw them. On a night less calm, he would have been shattered against them. With his remaining strength, he dragged himself from the swirling waters. Jagged crags appeared to jut up into the opaqueness. He forced himself upward, hand over hand. Gasping, his hands raw, he reached a flat place at the top. Dense jungle came down to the very edge of the cliffs. What perils that tangle of trees and underbrush might hold for him did not concern Rainsford just then. All he knew was that he was safe from his enemy, the sea. Damn you, the sea! The sea! Damn you! Sorry, I lost my place. Oh, for a bit. <laughs> and that utter weariness was on him. He flung himself down at the jungle edge and tumbled headlong into the deepest sleep of his life. Damn you, sleep! Damn you, you my enemy! <laughs> when he opened his eyes, he knew from the position of the sun that it was late in the afternoon. Slept sleep in. had given him new vigor. A sharp mm-hmm. hunger was picking at him. He looked about him almost cheerfully. What? Where there are pistol shots, there are men. Where there are men, there is food, he thought. But what kind of men, he wondered, in so forbidding a place. An unbroken front of snarled and ragged jungle fringed the sore. The sore on his leg. Just kidding. The shore. (laughs) The sore on his leg. (laughs) He saw no sign of a trail through the closely knit web of weeds and trees. It was easier to go along the shore, and Rainsford floundered along by the water. Not far from where he landed, he stopped. Yep, keep doing effort sounds. Leo, some wounded thing, by the evidence, a large animal, had thrashed about in the underbrush. 
The jungle weeds were crushed down and the moss was lacerated. One patch of weeds was stained crimson. A small glittering object not far away caught Rainsford's eye and he picked it up. It was an empty cartridge. A twenty-two, he remarked. That's odd. It must have been a fairly large animal, too. The hunter had his nerve with him to tackle it with a light gun. It's clear that the brute put up a fight. I suppose the first three shots I heard was when the hunter flushed his quarry and wounded it. The last shot was there when he trailed it here and finished it. Thanks, Rainsford, for that little play-by-play. Mm-hmm. He examined the ground closely and found what he had hoped to find. The print of hunting boots. The <laughs> Those print boots of hunting were boots. hunting. <laughs> Let's take that again. The print of hunting boots. <laughs> that happens to me all the time when I'm reading copy. Uh, I'll be like, download the app in the Apple Store. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's try that again. <laughs> Those boots are made for hunting. hunting. And that's just what they'll do. Okay. <laughs> the prince of hunting boots. They pointed along the cliff in the direction he had been going. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Eagerly, he hurried along, now s- slipping on a rotten log or a loose stone, but making headway. Night was beginning to settle down on the island. Ooh, Man, been a he, long time. A long day. Jeez. Jeez Louise. Sheesh. Well, he slept sleepy. half the day away. You sleepy. <laughs> Bleak darkness was blacking out the sea and jungle when Rainsford sighted the lights. He came upon them as he turned a crook in the coastline, and his first thought was that he had come upon a village, for there were many lights. But as he forged along, he saw to his great astonishment that all the lights were in one enormous building a lofty structure with pointed towers plunging upward into the gloom. His eyes made out the shadowy outlines of a palatial chateau. It was set on a high bluff, and on three sides of it, cliffs dived down to where the sea licked greedy lips in the shadows. Man, you are horny. Yeah, this guy is like, he's got like a wiggle-waggle boner <laughs> the whole time. A wiggle-waggle boner? Been running, it's been just like waving around. <laughs> Hitting the rocks yeah, as he like goes. Corn dog. He's corn dogging the whole time. Corn dogging it. (laughs) Mirage, thought Rainsford. But it was no mirage he found when he opened the tall, spiked iron gate. The stone steps were real enough. The massive door with a leering gargoyle for a knocker was real enough. Yet above it all hung an air of unreality. He lifted the knocker and it creaked up stiffly as as (laughs) as if it had never before been used. He let it fall and it startled him with its booming loudness. Again, he heard steps within. The door remained closed. Again, Rainsford lifted the heavy knocker and let it fall. The door opened then, opened as suddenly as if it were on a spring. Rainsford stood blinking in the river of glaring gold light that poured out. The first thing Rainsford's eyes discerned was the largest man Rainsford had ever seen. A gigantic creature, solidly made and black-bearded to the waist. In Whoa. his hands, damn, that's a beard. That's a long beard. I'm going to take a sip of water. Okay. Wow. I feel like... What a beard. I, I feel like I might know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I do. You know it. I know it. It ends with sex. Sex between Rainsford and Whitley. <laughs> Whitney. Whoops. Whoops. Embarrassing. <clears throat> In his hand, the man held a long-barreled revolver, and he was pointing it straight at Rainsford's heart. Out of the snarl of beard, two small eyes regarded Rainsford. His beard goes above his eyes? No, it's just like, that's how much beard there was, Kelly. It's like he lives in the beard. Walking beard. (laughs) That beard was made for walking. 
And I feel what I'll do. One of these days, that beard is gonna shoot a gun at you. (laughs) Out of the snarl of beard, two small eyes regarded Rainsford. Mm -hmm. Don't be alarmed, said Rainsford with a smile which he hoped was disarming. I'm no robber. I fell off a yacht. My name is Sanger Rainsford. Nice name, buddy. Of New York City. New New York York City. New York. The menacing look in his eyes did not change. The revolver pointing as rigidly as if the giant were a statue. He gave no sign that he understood Rainsford's words or that he had even heard them. He was dressed in a uniform, a black uniform trimmed with gray astrakhan. What is that? Astrakhan. Gray astrakhan. In the center? Oh. Astrakhan. 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 I'm Sanger Rainsford of New York, Rainsford began again. I fell off a yacht. I am hungry. <laughs> I'm the guy, that uh, I'm the guy that's hungry. <laughs> the man's only answer was to raise with his thumb the hammer of his revolver. What? Then Rainsford saw Rude. the man's free hand go to his forehead in a military salute. And he saw him click his heels together and stand at attention. What? Another man was coming down the broad marble steps. An erect, slender man in evening clothes. Ooh, nice. He advanced and... Seeming silk. Evening silk. Is Rainsford still naked? He took off all his clothes, right? (laughs) Wait, did he? No wonder the guy's like, uh... Wait, did he I'm not putting my gun down. I think that was our fantasy. Did he really do all his clothes? He really did. That's why we started So he's just running around naked? Uh Uh-huh. If you don't want to drown, you'd take off your clothes. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yes, he's he sensually removed his clothes while he was drowning. <laughs> that's right. I remember that. You're right. Oh my god! <clears throat> what? Wait. So he's nude. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! He could have put a like banana leaf mm-hmm. in front of him or something. He advanced to Rainsford and held out his hand. In a cultivated voice, marked by a slight accent that gave it added precision and deliberateness, he said. It is a very great pleasure and honor to welcome Mr. Sanger Rainsford, the celebrated hunter, to my home. Automatically, Rainsford shook the man's hand. I've read your book about hunting snow leopards in Tibet, you see, explained the man. I am General Zaroff. All right. Zara. Rainsford's first impression was that the man was singularly handsome. Oh. Nice. New love. silks draped sensually over his barely concealed <laughs> member. His second was that there was an original, almost bizarre quality about the general's face. He was a tall man past middle age, for his hair was a vivid white, but his thick eyebrows and pointed military mustache were as black as the night from which Rainsford had come. Interesting. His eyes, too, that was from Lindsay, not the story. (laughs) His eyes, interesting. His eyes, too, were black and very bright. He had high cheekbones, a sharp cut nose, a spare, dark face. The face of a man used to giving orders, the face of an aristocrat. Mm. Turning to the giant in uniform, the general made a sign. The giant put away his pistol, saluted, withdrew. Ivan is an incredibly strong fellow, remarked the general, but he has the misfortune to be deaf and dumb. A simple fellow, but I'm afraid, like, uh, like all his race, a bit of a savage. Cool. This guy is racist and probably a murderer. Oh, wait for it. Is he Russian? He is Cossack, said the general, and his smile showed red lips and pointed teeth. So am I. Come, he said. We shouldn't be chanting here. (laughs) We shouldn't be sipping this chianti here. We can talk later. Now you want clothes, food, rest, naked. You shall have them. This is a most restful spot. 
Ivan reappeared, and the general spoke to him with lips that moved but gave forth no sound. Mm -hmm. Follow Ivan, if you please, Mr. Rainsford, said the general. I was about to have my dinner when you came. I'll wait for you. You'll find that my clothes will fit you, I think. It was to a huge beam-ceilinged bedroom with a canopied big bed, big enough for six men. Ow! Six, six men! men. That Rainsford followed... Why are you doing this story? <laughs> You're doing it, not us. You're not us. That Rainsford followed the silent giant. Ivan laid out... Can you imagine if the author of this story was sitting here listening to us read this and <laughs> becoming infuriated? Yeah. Infuriated. What? There is no homoeroticism <laughs> to this story. How dare you? It's pulsing with homoeroticism. Yep. Ivan laid out an evening suit, and Rainsford, as he put it on, noticed that it came from a London tailor who ordinarily cut and sewed for none below the rank of Duke. Oh, my God. Ew. He's rich. <laughs> Bag him. Bag him, girl. <laughs> put a ring on it. Girl. The dining room to which Ivan conducted him was in m many ways remarkable. There was a medieval magnificence about it. It suggested a baronial hall of feudal times with its oaken panels its high ceiling, its vast refectory tables where two-score men could sit down to eat. About the hall were mounted heads of many animals, lions, tigers, elephants, moose, bears, larger or more perfect specimens Rainsford had never seen. At the great table, the general was sitting, alone. You'll have a cocktail, Mr. Rainsford, he suggested. The cocktail was sur surpassingly good, and Rainsford noted the table appointments were of the finest, <laughs> pardon me, were of the finest, the linen, the crystal, the silver, the china. They were eating borscht, right? The finest the rich, of all borscht. The finest of all borscht. The finest of all cold cabbage soups, <laughs> borscht. <laughs> the rich red soup with whipped cream so dear to Russian palates. Half apologetically, General Zaroff said, we do our best to preserve the amenities of civilization here. <laughs> Are you going to do an accent? I'm all over the place today. <laughs> Please forgive any lapses. We are well off the beaten track. Oh, I thought you, know. you were telling. Wait, is that a mommy? Please forgive, please forgive the lapses, listener. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> I was like, lapses. That's an interesting way to put it. I'll begin again. <laughs> we do our best to preserve the amenities of civilization here. Please forgive any lapses. Mm. We are well off the beaten track, you know. Do you think the champagne has suffered from its long ocean trip? Not in the least, declared Rainsford. He was finding the general a most thoughtful and affable host, a true cosm cosmopolite. But there was one cosmopolite. small cosmopolite. I don't think that's it. But there was one small trait of the general's that made Rainsford uncomfortable. Whenever he looked up from his plate, he found the general studying him, appraising him narrowly. Perhaps, said General Zaroff, you were surprised that I recognized your name. You see, I read all books on hunting published in English, French, and Russian. I have but one passion in my life, Mr. Rainsford, and it is the hunt. You have some wonderful heads here, said Rainsford as he ate a particularly well-cooked filet mignon. That Cape Buffalo's the largest I ever saw. Kate Buffalo? Cape. Oh. That girl, Kate, Kate Buffalo. Buffalo. She's a large woman. <laughs> She's is the she largest I ever saw. Is she your wife? Oh, are you taken? <laughs> <laughs> no uh, ball and chain? <laughs> Uh, open marriage, maybe? <laughs> that Cape Buffalo two? is the largest I ever saw. Oh, that fellow. Yes, he was a monster. Did he charge you? 
Hurled me against a tree, said the general. Fractured my skull. But I got the brute. I've always thought, said Rainsford, that the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous of all big game. God, get another hobby! (laughs) They suck. Oh, they suck! For a moment, the general did not reply. He was smiling his curious red-lipped smile. Then he said slowly, No, you are wrong, sir. The Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous big game. He sipped his wine. Here in my preserve on this island, he said in the same slow tone, I hunt more dangerous game. Rainsford expressed his surprise. Is there big game on this island? The general nodded. The biggest. Really? Oh, it isn't here naturally, of course. I have to stock the island. What have you imported, General? Rainsford asked. Tigers? The general smiled. No, he said. Hunting tigers ceased to interest me some years ago. I exhausted their possibilities, you see. No thrill left in tigers, no real danger. I live for danger, Mr. Rainsford. The general took from his pocket a gold cigarette case and offered his guest a long black cigarette with a silver tip. It was perfumed and gave off a smell like incense. We will have some capital hunting, you and I, said the general. I shall be most glad to have your society. But what game, began Rainsford. I'll tell you, said the general. You will be amused, I know. I think I may say, in all modesty, that I have done a rare thing. I have invented a new sensation. May I pour you another glass of port? Thank you, General. The General filled both glasses and said, God makes some men poets. He, some he makes kings, some beggars. Me, he made a hunter. My hand was made for the trigger, my father said. He was a very rich man with a quarter of a million acres in the Crimea. Crimea? 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 There's no Crimean Sea. Sea. Crimea. And he was an ardent sportsman. When I was only five years old, he gave me a little gun specially made in Moscow for me to shoot sparrows with. When I shot some of his prized turkeys with it, he did not punish me. He complimented me on my marksmanship. I killed my first bear in the Caucasus when I was ten. My whole life has been one prolonged hunt. My God. I went into the army. It was expected of noblemen's sons and for a time commanded a division of Cossack cavalry, but my real interest was always the hunt. I have hunted every kind of game in every land. It would be impossible for me to tell you how many animals I have killed. The general puffed at his cigarette. After the debacle in Russia, I left the country, for it was imprudent for an officer of the Tsar to stay there. Many noble Russians lost everything. I luckily had invested heavily in American securities, so I shall never have to open a tea room in Monte Carlo or drive a taxi in Paris. Naturally, I continued to hunt. Grizzlies in your Rockies, crocodiles in the Ganges, rhinoceroses in East Africa. It was in Africa that the Cape Buffalo hit me and laid me up for six months. As soon as I recovered, I started for the Amazon to hunt jaguars, for I had heard they were unusually cunning. They weren't. The Cossack sighed. They were no match at all for a hunter with his wits about him and a high-powered rifle. I was bitterly disappointed. I was lying in my tent with a splitting headache one night when a terrible thought pushed its way into my mind. Hunting was beginning to bore me. And hunting, remember, had been my life. Yeah, it was like two seconds ago. Oh my God, all you can talk about is how you love hunting. How come he has sharp teeth? Did it say he had sharp teeth? He has red lips and sharp teeth. Ew. When did he file his teeth down? He didn't say. While he was hunting. While he was hunting? (laughs) He has a little nail file. Oh, God. Ow. Hunting was beginning to bore me, and hunting, remember, had been my life. I have heard that in America, businessmen often go to pieces when they give up the business that has been their life. Yes, that's so, said Rainsford. The general smiled. I had no wish to go to pieces, he said. 
I must do something. Now, mine is an analytical mind, Mr. Rainsford. Doubtless that is why I enjoy the problems of the chase. No doubt, General Zaroth. So, continued the general, I asked myself why the hunt no longer fascinated me. You are much younger than I am, Mr. Rainsford, and have not hunted as much, but perhaps you can guess the answer. What was it? Simply this. Hunting had ceased to be what you call a sporting proposition. It had become too easy. I always got my quarry. Always. There is no greater bore than perfection. The general lit a fresh cigarette. No animal had a chance with me anymore. My God, he's hunting. Oh, man, the most dangerous game. God damn it. I was really hoping I would get to that point without you realizing. You know what? I think I've seen like takes on this Mm -hmm. and I've never read this original piece. Yeah, I've never read the original piece. I know what this. Oh, (laughs) well, no freaking wonder he has red lips and sharp teeth. Yeah, I don't think he eats them, though. No, but anyone that wants to have sharp teeth. And all this guy wants is to get laid. I know. Mm. This guy shows up completely nude with a raging boner and says, Next thing he knows. <gasps> what the hey? Guy with an even bigger boner, but for hunting. <laughs> He's like, peel back the activity and what do you see? Man. <laughs> uh, all right. Sorry, Lindsay. I'm sorry okay, I spoiled the fun. Okay. No animal has... No animal had a chance with me anymore. That is no boast. It is a mathematical certainty. The animal had nothing but his legs and his instinct. Instinct is no match for reason. When I thought of this, it was a tragic moment for me, I can tell you. Rainsford leaned across the table, absorbed in what his host was saying. It came to me as an inspiration what I must do, the general went on. And that was? The general smiled, the quiet smile of one who has faced an obstacle and surmounted it with success. I had to invent a new animal to hunt, he said. A new animal? You're joking. Not at all, said the general. I never joke about hunting. I needed a... Jesus Christ, you're humorless. (laughs) I needed a new animal. I found one. So I bought this island, built this house, and here I do my hunting. The island is perfect for my purposes. There are jungles with a maze of traits in them. Hills, swamps. But the animal, General Zaroff. Oh, said the general. It supplies me with the most exciting hunting in the world. No other hunting compares with it for an instant. Every day I hunt, and I never grow bored now, for I have a quarry with which I can match my wits. Rainsford bewilderment showed in his face. I wanted the ideal animal to hunt, explained the general. So I said, what are the attributes of an ideal quarry? And the answer was, of course, it must have courage, cunning, and above all, it must be able to reason. No animal can reason, objected Rainsford. My dear fellow, said the general, there is one that can. Oh my God, get out of there. But you can't mean, gasped Rainsford. And why not? I can't believe you're serious, General Zaroff. This is a grisly joke. Why should I not be serious? I am speaking of hunting. Um, um, (laughs) I'm coming just talking about it. (laughs) Hunting. Great guns, General Zaroff. What you speak of is murder. The general laughed with entire good nature. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) We had very different tics. (laughs) 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 He regarded Rainsford quizzically. (laughs) 
I refuse to believe that so modern and civilized a young man as you seem to be harbors romantic ideas about the value of human life. Surely your experiences in the war did not make me condone cold-blooded murder, finished Rainsford stiffly. Laughter shook the general. (laughs) (laughs) How extraordinarily droll you are, he said. (laughs) (laughs) So droll. One does not expect nowadays to find a young man of the educated class, even in America, with such a naive and, if I may say so, mid-Victorian point of view. Ooh, ouch. Oh, burn. Burn. Get some eyes for that burn. Like, no, I'm not a prude. (laughs) It's like finding a snuff box in a limousine. Ah, well, doubtless you had Puritan ancestors. So many Americans appear to have had. I'll wager you'll forget your notions when you go hunting with me. You've a genuine new thrill in store for you, Mr. Rainsford. Thank you. I'm a hunter, not a murderer. Dear me, said the general, quite unruffled. Again, that unpleasant word. But I think I can show you that your scruples are quite ill-founded. Yes? Why are you bothering to, like, listen to whatever yeah, just he has leave. to say? Just be like, I have to go to the bathroom and then just leave. Uh, can I be excused? Can I get the key to the bathroom? <laughs> Life is for the strong, to be lived by the strong, and, if needs be, taken by the strong. The weak of the world were put here to give the strong pleasure. Mm. I am strong. We get it. Why should I not use my gift? If I wish to hunt, why should I not? I hunt the scum of the earth, sailors from tramp ships. It's getting real bad. Are you going to? It's getting bad. Are you going to have to say something you don't want to say? Don't say it. Should I censor myself? Uh, I'm gonna censor myself. Who I, would, I don't need it. Yeah, I nobody would say needs do this. it if you don't. Yeah, I I'm I would censor this. myself. Okay. Ooh. Sailors from tramp ships, non PC things. Oh, it's not even PC. Racist things. Yeah. A thoroughbred horse or hound is worth more than a score of them. But they are men, Rainsford said. Rainsford hotly. Precisely said the general. That is why I use them. It gives me pleasure. They can reason after a fashion. So they are dangerous. But where do you get them? The general's left eyelid fluttered down in a wink. What? Ew. That's a weird description of a wink. Fluttering? No, uh, he's having like a stroke. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like uh, he winked at me in that went, way. Where... <laughs> 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 I'm just going to read it again for fun. It's like, then I found out he was a robot. <laughs> oh my God, no wonder. The general's left eyelid fluttered down in a wink. What a stupid, horrible description. I'm sorry. Just say he I'm still winked. surprised. Just say he fucking yep. winked. This island is called Ship Trap, he answered. Sometimes an angry god of the high seas sends them to me. Sometimes, when Providence is not so kind, I help Providence a little bit. What? Come to the window with me. Rainsford went to the window and looked out toward the sea. Watch, out there exclaimed the general, pointing into the night. Rainsford, Rainsford's eyes saw only blackness. And then, as the general pressed a button, far out to sea, Rainsford saw the flash of lights. The general chuckled. They indicate a channel, he said, where there's, where there's none. Giant rocks with razor edges crouch like a sea monster with wide-open jaws. They can crush a ship as easily as I crush this nut. He dropped a... Where'd you get the walnut all of a sudden? <laughs> he dropped a walnut on the hardwood floor. Very convenient, sir. Oh, God. He's been holding that in his damn pocket He's just like, for this. just waiting. Like, 
oh, I'm going to get the walnut part yet. Can't wait, oh, till can't the wait part. for the walnut part. He's like, but I'll be a little more gentle with yours. <laughs> <laughs> I can crack your nut. <laughs> he dropped a walnut on the hardwood floor and brought his heel grinding down on it. Oh, yes, he said casually as if in answer to a question. I have electricity. We try to be civilized here. Civilized? And you shoot down men? Oh, my God. End of part one. Well, is he gonna try to hunt dangerous game? Reinsdahl or whatever his name is? Um, I don't I truly don't know. <laughs> oh my god. Oh there man. you have it. Rife with boners. So many boners in this book. So much sexual tension. Tension-y-all. Oh my god, the homoeroticism is off the chart. It's off the charts. Yeah. Wow. That's why it's hunting. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. To be continued. To be continued. Thank you for joining us for part one. Richard, three names, Connells. Richard Edwell. Edward. Richard, why do you keep saying Edwell? Richard mm. Connells, The Most Dangerous Game. Tune in next week for part two. Keep it cultured.